towards exiting the cave by speaking with the researcher and philosopher Per Eric Malam. Uh, Per is a researcher at the University of Gothenburg, and he's currently working on a project called The Limits of Forgiveness, which is funded by the Swedish Swedish Research Council. Excuse me. Um, I really liked the talk uh, that Per and I had today. I attended a few weeks ago uh, a talk he gave at Lewis and Clark College um, about letting go as an alternative to forgiving, which I found very interesting. And so I reached out uh, and got him on the show. Um, as well as letting go and forgiveness, uh, Pear also studies free will, agency, and moral responsibility, which I'm very interested in as well. So without further preamble, please enjoy my talk with Pear Eric Milam. Before we get started, um, I just want to say thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah, of course. My pleasure. Um, so I guess, you know, the way that I've kind of prepared for this is, like I mentioned, like I missed the first 15 minutes or so of the talk, but you were, mm -hmm. you know, you gave me these slides of a, a talk you gave at Lewis and Clark College um, called Letting Go of Blame, which off the bat is kind of two you know, letting go and blame are both these kind of like folk concepts that, that we have kind of floating around, but they, I think you would agree are in need of a little bit of conceptual analysis. And so I was hoping to both for like myself and the listeners get caught up a little bit on that. Um, so, you know, when, when we say, well, actually, you know, first of all, before I start asking you for definitions, I'm just curious, how, how did you get into, um, How'd you get into like the, the area of blame and specifically letting go? Because it's, it's a very interesting and niche area of this, which is which is cool. Yeah, I guess that's I guess that's true. It is kind of niche in a way, um, although that's what what Luke and I are hoping to make less the case. Um, and I should just say, by the way, for the record, this is a, a project that I'm doing with Luke Bruning. Hmm. Um, we've written some things together before. Uh, but yeah, so how did I get into it? Well, basically, I started, you know, working on free will and responsibility and reactive attitudes. That's sort of what I wrote my dissertation on. Um, and one of the things I was particularly interested in there was like, what's the value of the reactive attitudes? Like, what are they doing? And then um, I got interested in forgiveness as a part of that, but also for some other sort of background reasons having to do with with my advisor, um, which we can talk about if you want. But yeah, so basically I got interested in forgiveness and the more I thought about forgiveness, the more I thought, oh, well, uh, this might sound a little weird. Like, I do I do that very often? <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, I thought, do I do that very often? Am I weird? Does anyone do it as often as it might seem given like how much interest and, and uh, you know, discussion there is around forgiving, just like in academia, but also just like in everyday life, right? Um, and so the more I thought about it, the more I thought there's, there's a lot more going on here in our sort of ways of engaging and resolving moral conflicts than, you know, blame, apology, forgiveness. Like that's, all those things are really important, but there's some other phenomena that aren't getting kind of quite as much attention as they might if we thought about what we actually do. And, you know, just an example of this, right? Like, uh, so letting letting go is something you do. It's, it's a way of overcoming or uh, blame that's not forgiving. 
right? So I think if we think about circumstances where we find ourselves no longer blaming somebody, often those circumstances will be cases where we've let go. Um, and, you know, suppose you want to do a trip with friends, right? Uh, and it's COVID times. So you're like, okay, I want to be safe. I want to like have, you know, all of you guys like be safe beforehand. And I want us to be safe during the, during our trip, during our hangouts. And then I want you guys to be safe afterwards too, right? Like mm -hmm. do a little like more self-quarantining. Mm -hmm. And then you show up and you realize like, you know, one of your buddies has been going to the bar every other <laughs> night because, you know, they live in a state where things are open and you're like, really? Yeah. So you do, you blame them. You're like, come on, man, what, what the hell? But, you know, they're your friends and you want to have a good time. And, you know, maybe you know that it wasn't like that risky or something like that, right? It's not, it's not so crazy that you're, you're going to like bail out on the whole, yeah, on the whole yeah. situation, but you're sort of pissed off, but you want to have a good time. And so you do, you just sort of let it go. Like you let it go for the, for the time um, and just like try to like, you know, minimize your risk in other ways while you're together. Um, maybe you don't even like bring it up to them, right? Like that could be really awkward. That could be kind of a bummer. Mm. Like not to say that that's not, that that's a good enough reason not to bring it up, but you know, that's how it goes sometimes. And, um, and afterwards you continue letting it go. You're like, whatever, like, I love these guys. Yeah. These are my buddies. That sucked that they did that. It's kind of disrespectful. It's definitely blameworthy, but mm. so it goes. And I really, for me, I realized that this happens more often than not um, when I overcome blame um, or when I find myself no longer blaming people, especially people I yeah. care about. Yeah, I was going to say, like, without, because it's interesting. I mean, honestly, before, well, I, you know, I guess I've thought about it a little bit because um, I've, I did my senior paper on kind of more responsibility, reactive attitudes like this. So I've been thinking about this stuff for a while, but honestly, in terms of, I, I would not have been able to put it in the terms that you laid out, which I think are more helpful in terms of, of forgiving versus letting go explicitly. Um, and and I, I guess I share your, I guess I share your thought that I think I let go more than I forgive, um, which you think you do that more often than forgiving as well? I think so. I mean, yeah. If I had to like sit down and like catalog, I don't know where I where the where yeah. the tally would come, but yeah, it it certainly feels so. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely feels like it, um, which is interesting. Um, and and so I guess just to be explicit, when you say blame, uh, you are talking about one of what P.F. Strassen would call the reactive attitudes, attitudes that we take towards someone when we view them as an appropriate target of our interpersonal reactions towards each other. So I, if you wrong me, um, I would blame you in a deeper sense than I would blame a car um, for, you know, just oh, yeah. like if I park and I, I don't put my car in park and it rolls into me and it, and it hits me, you know, I'm not going to blame the car in a deep sense like I would blame you. Um, so I guess that's to say blame is more than just attributability. Um, it's, it's an attitude that you would hold. Um, towards someone. Yeah, it's definitely an attitude. Um, 
I, I also do think of it sort of in the Strassonian or like the, um, the Wallace sense of like it being an affective response, right? So it's an emotion or it has a feeling component to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like there's a lot of ways that people understand blame. I think what a lot of those are, are trying to capture, like, what are you doing over and above, like appraising someone negatively or appraising someone as having, um, you know, failed morally. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And like some people try to capture that with like additional judgments, others with like this, like, what are you disposed to do or how is your behavior going to change? Um, I think the best account is, is affective. Yeah. So I think yeah. what you're doing when you blame someone is you're having a, an affective attitude towards them like anger or contempt or something yeah mm-hmm. i mean I, I i think i agree with you because you could act you know if, from like a consequentialist standpoint you could act the exact same way towards someone but you could you know from the from the third person perspective it's indistinguishable at least potentially whether you're blaming them or not um as a, as opposed to maybe treating them with some sort of like kind of a you know social quarantine um, view on them. So, so yeah, I think that that makes sense. And especially for letting go. Um, I think the act of, of forgiving versus letting go from a third person perspective could be indistinguishable, but, but it really matters kind of how you feel about the situation, right? Yeah, definitely. So it could be indistinguishable from a third person, uh, perspective, like someone, you know, viewing me and my buddies on vacation might be like, oh, he just, he forgave them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'd be reasonable in, in assuming that maybe. Um, but yeah, the, the big difference is, is internal. Um, but it's not just internal, right? It's something that a third person could figure out. They could be like, so like, do you view them differently than you did before? And um, you might say, uh, I mean, no, <laughs> like, I still think like everything they did was, was wrong and that they were responsible and that it was a shitty thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just don't blame them for it anymore. Yeah. I'm yeah. over my blame. And if someone were to say, you know, you, you would obviously still be able to know like who did it and, and what they did, but it's just, you're not, you're not blaming them at that point. Which makes sense. Um, so how do you, I guess, maybe explicitly spell out what you mean by letting go? Um, because that could sound deceptively simpler than it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's, I think that's a good point. Um, it can seem simple uh, when actually it's not as simple as it might seem. Um, so, you know, the core is just you're, you're overcoming blame. But I think that the more you sort of think about it and the more you think of it as a practice and not just something that happens passively, uh, it looks like it needs more of an account. It needs more of a positive story about it in the same way that we give a positive story about forgiveness. And so, you know, with forgiveness, I'm partial to a story in terms of reasons, right? I think the best way to describe what forgiveness is, is to say, you know, what are the reasons for which we overcome blame Hmm. um and i think that that's the best way to characterize letting go as well is in terms of the reasons you have to let go of blame right so i think uh the main kinds of reasons that strike me as reasons to let go as opposed to reasons to forgive for example 
um, are overriding reasons, right? So these are reasons where um, you say, it's just not worth it to blame because there are these costs to doing so. And there are always costs to blaming, right? Blaming doesn't feel good. Um, uh, and there are various other costs as well, but it's a reason to let go when those costs are particularly burdensome or, uh, you know, painful or whatever, right? So like, um, blame can be painful when it's directed at someone you care about and you're sort of torn, right? Like you, you think they did something bad, something wrong. Uh, but at the same time, like it sucks to like feel negatively towards someone you care about. Um, there are other ways in which, in which blame can be, can be burdensome. Um, mm. It can be burdensome to kind of hold someone to account, right? That's part of what you're doing when you blame is you're holding someone to account. And, you know, in the example I gave earlier, right? Like one of the reasons we don't do it when we're hanging out with our friends and they do sort of minor or even sort of like moderate wrongs is it sucks to hold mm -hmm. them to account to be like, you know, even if, even if you've got a good relationship, it sucks to sort of like put everything on hold and be like, nah, dude, stop doing yeah. this. Um, and, you know, again, that doesn't necessarily justify that. Like sometimes you need to put the hold on. Um, but, but that's the reason why we don't do it is because mm -hmm. it's, it's burdensome. So I think that's one kind of reason for letting go. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, I, I wonder, I was, I was curious if you kind of share my intuition here. I feel like it's always a little bit of an emotional cost to blame, even if it's not people close to you, um, that there is some sort of like a gravity to it in that sense. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's right. Um, I mean, so one way to characterize this might be like, you know, often, people often talk about like the sting of blame mm. and that's sort of the, that's sort of the hostile uh, sort of other directed part, um, that's negative. That's what makes it bad for other people, for the targets of blame. But yeah, you know, um, it has a gravity. It has a, a, a significance for yourself as well. I mean, part of this comes if you accept a sort of affective account of blame, right? Like uh, blaming is a negative emotion, <laughs> among mm -hmm. other things. Um, and negative emotions aren't good. They're negative. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's not to say they're not, uh, important. It's not to say they're not, uh, valuable, but they don't feel good. Yeah. 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 yeah the only, the only kind of, it may, I don't think this is an exemption, but, you know, I was thinking about so, something like sports, you know, where, where, you know, let's say like I used to play like hockey in, in high school and it, you know, say a teammate of mine gets kind of like, you know, illegally hit. Right. And it like, I, you know, I kind of feel like this well up of like anger and blame and like that, I guess that can be kind of motivating, you know, if I direct it well, you know, not take a penalty back, but just kind of maybe channel that into just playing as hard as I can. Um, and maybe, you know, I don't know, I, I'm hesitating to say that that's an exception, though. It's, it seems like there's still like, there's a big, there's a weight to that blame. But it's just, I, I can, I can kind of manage to redirect that into a positive outcome. Yeah, I think, I think that's definitely right. And maybe the way I put it is that, you know, like so many things in life, right? Uh, there's, a positive feature that 
threatens to be a negative feature, right? So like, mm. I think sports is a fantastic example and that the example you gave just rings really true to me from my time playing soccer. Mm. But um, yeah, so, you know, you can imagine two scenarios where the same blame serves sort of different purposes. One, you do effectively channel it. Mm. You know, you use it to like play a little harder, play a little more aggressively, like, um, you know, control the ball or the puck or whatever, uh, better, um, make plays happen. But you can imagine another scenario where that's what you're trying to do, but it really, it overwhelms you. And so what you really do is that you hit people harder or you like mm. make your tackles a little sloppier or a little yeah. more aggressive. A little dirty. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you get, you get a card and this, like, I, I was smiling when you were giving your example. Cause like, I, I was thinking of a time playing, you know, soccer in high school where exactly that thing happened. Right. Like I got hit, um, and I got up and I chased the guy down and I, you know, I went for a really hard tackle and it was yeah. totally dirty. It was really bad. And I got a yellow card and my coach like called me over to the sideline while the game's still going. And he's yeah. like, no, it's <laughs> not how we do it. It's not yeah. how we do it. We didn't do, that was not productive. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've been both and, those people before. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and you know, there's, there's some great examples from, from pro professional sports, right. Where people like, uh, what, for whatever, whatever the cause, like people melt down in their blame. Um, you know, there's some great examples from Serena Williams, right? You get a bad line call, you melt down and you lose the, you lose the match or you yeah. lose the set. And, you know, so it goes sometimes. Mm -hmm. it sucks. Yeah. What was that? There was that famous, um, in the world cup, the, his name starts with a Z. He was from South America, the headbutt. Um, Oh, uh, Zidane. He's from. He's yeah. French. Yeah. Oh, is he French? Okay, that's South American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This that's is France a famous Italy, one. Two thousand six. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, where he just it was it was like the, his opponent said something derogatory about his sister, right? And and he gets yeah, up and yeah, he headbutts him. Like yeah. 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 I remember because it was like because the teammate was interviewed afterwards and he was like he was like no no he was like i would never say something about his mom like i just called his sister like a whore or something you know it was like it's like it's like <laughs> so specific be, could be yeah it was something yeah. like that no i'm sure i'm sure it was the kind of of dirty talk that like you hear often mm -hmm. but maybe you know maybe something about that moment like made it land particularly bad or maybe like you know some people i think said uh that it was a racist comment or something like this yeah. um I, I don't know what, what it was. And I don't know if anyone other than, you know, the people right there know, know what was said. Um, but, you know, whatever it was, mm. Zidane had been playing, you know, for a long time and who I'm sure had like had people say bad shit to him. Uh, yeah. Gets up and, and headbutts him. And I remember watching that um, in a bar and being like, whoa, yeah. that just happened. Yeah. Yeah. Is there, there's like a statue uh, of the headbutt, I think, dedicated to his, some somewhere. In, in is that France. right? Oh I God. think so. Yeah. But like, oh, wow. I guess it's, you know, th this is like, I, I guess you could imagine this is like um, kind of a, a tension between letting go uh, because you can't like that. That seems like it's a clear instance in which forgiveness isn't really on the table. Like you don't have time to kind of just, you know, work out the forgiveness. So you you have a choice between letting go and and not holding on um and i guess it's just like that that would be right am, am i am i correct in saying that would be a quintessential overriding reason because it's too costly to hold on 
um, if you want to win the game, you know, let's say he could have stayed in and, and gotten, you know, a good, good defensive play or something. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's a quintessential case. Um, I mean, I think, I think there's going to be different kinds of, <laughs> this is going to be a, a weird thing to say. I think there are different kinds of quintessential cases. I think, you know, there's going to be cases where it's all in the moment. Um, and there are, there's going to be cases where it's more sort of over time. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think, yeah, it's a, that's a, that's an excellent example. It's a, a quintessential example of a sort of in the moment time where, you know, if you've been playing for a long time, if you're used to these kinds of scenarios, you're going to say to yourself, this is a moment for letting go in the same way that like, I think in a lot of sports, right. You sometimes have to say to yourself, this is not a moment to like blame myself for this mm -hmm. like mistake I just made. That's a sort of, that's less about moral blame. It's about non-moral blame, but like, yeah, uh, you know, this is a time when I need to like concentrate and not get in my own head about like having missed that shot or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of don't, don't fall into like the sunk costs or whatever. Like you missed it right, now just, right. you know, Move you it on. yeah, exactly. And then I guess, your previous example then about the friend who doesn't quarantine before a trip could be one of more of a long-term example. Like you have kind of two weeks with them on the trip or whatever. And, and you, you know, you just, you have a few minutes of deliberation, you know, you're about to get into the car or the plane or whatever, like with them. And you're just like, okay, like, look, what am I going to do? Ruin the trip right now? Like I just, you know, if I'm going to go on it, I might as well go on it and not need to hash this out on the car ride there you know right exactly um, yeah. yeah that's sort of what i was thinking yeah that makes sense that makes sense to me so i i'm curious for the um because this is the first kind of of uh, reason to let go so is is the too costly is that going to be spelled out for you uh, only in terms of consequentialist reasonings um whether it's kind of even just maybe maybe personal or or or, or selfishly or on a on a larger scale um, I mean, I'm partial to consequentialism. So like, I want to say yes, but there's nothing, there's nothing essential to the story of letting go, um, or the overriding reason, uh, overriding reasons to let go that needs to be understood in that way. Right. So like, um, I think that thinking about overriding this <laughs> is sort of like puts you in a consequentialist frame of mind, maybe. Um, and and this kind of reason to let go really is about comparing like the different the different costs and benefits but there's no reason why you can't think of it in moral terms that are a little bit broader right mm -hmm. so like um i think that there's a kind of overriding reason that is just um you know moral reasons of a more general sort right so like um i might want to uh I might want to overcome blame and let go, not for my own benefit, but for someone else's benefit, mm -hmm. just because that seems like the compassionate thing to do, right? Like they did me wrong, in, let's say in some moderate way, but you know that sort of blaming or continuing to blame them will just be sort of devastating to them, mm -hmm. um, right? Maybe, maybe they... I don't know, are particularly sensitive to blame, or maybe they don't have a lot of like, uh, you know, supportive people in their life and you're one of them. There's all sorts of things you might think of. And there, like, you could put that in consequentialist terms. You could say like, we should, I should overcome blame because like the, 
the <laughs> downside to me is less than the benefit to her or something like that. But I think it's more natural just to think of it in terms of like being compassionate mm -hmm. and you have a good moral reason to be compassionate in that kind of circumstance. Yeah. Something like competing virtues where there's like, you know, the virtue of, of really correcting this behavior kind of like, you know, we, we got to deal with this now versus the, the virtue of just preserving kind of the goodness of a situation for, for everyone involved, something like that. It's just more about yeah. competing goods rather than um, anything. Wrong. Yeah. 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 But I mean, I, I just think any, any sort of plausible moral theory should be able to spell out what's going on in a, in an overriding reasons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I was just, I was thinking about that because you know, you juxtapose letting go to forgiving um, in that, well, I get, I don't maybe spell this out further because um, there's an aspect of letting go that you mentioned at the talk where you you don't view the the act as blameworthy but you still view the person as blameworthy do i have that right um yeah well so i think i think the right way to think about blameworthiness is that a person is blameworthy for an act right mm. so it doesn't make much sense to say that acts are blameworthy without any persons involved mm, and those sure. persons need to be moral agents and morally responsible. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that it's important that people are blameworthy for acts. You know, mm. I, I, I also don't think it's not nonsensical like the other thing, but it, it, to me, it strikes me as a little strange to say that someone's just blameworthy as a person. <laughs> mm. Um, I mean, you can be blameworthy for your acts, you can be blameworthy for your character traits, um, but just like a blameworthy person doesn't quite make sense to me. Could you, what if you were using that as sort of a surrogate for just saying they were morally responsible? Like they were, you could almost say that they were blameworthy yeah. if they were to do something that would be incurring of blame. I mean, it's a yeah, weird, sure. yeah. Sure. Like if you're, you could say a person is a morally responsible agent. Yeah. yeah and that when yeah. they do bad things, they're a blameworthy agent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, but again, they're blameworthy in virtue of the stuff they do or don't do or, mm -hmm. or what have you. Yeah. 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 You'd have to do something to even have kind of the possibility of blame on the table. Yeah. Or you'd have to, you know, fail to do something that you should have done. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that's where like character traits come in, right? Like if you are sort of, a liar <laughs> um you know you're a habitual liar like that might be something you're blameworthy for also not trying not to be a liar trying to like lie less mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that makes sense um okay so so those would be overriding reasons and then you have a another called uh resignation reasons yeah yeah good um so so yeah a second category of reasons to let go are resignation reasons and again, these are reasons where uh, you think, look, blame's just not worth it. And in this case, it's not worth it because you think it's not gonna be effective. It's not gonna do what blame is meant to do or what blame normally does sort of in our everyday moral repertoires, right? So I said earlier that, you know, part of what you're doing when you blame is uh, you're holding someone to account. I think that's a pretty standard sort of view that people have developed from Strassen. Mm. Um, you're holding someone to account. And um, sometimes though, you know, your attempt to hold them to account with blame just is not gonna work. And there are 
variety of reasons why that might happen. Um, you know, uh, I think Luke and I call them uh, fragile contexts. There's a variety of kinds of ways in which a context can be fragile such that your blame's not going to land. Um, it might be that, you know, simple stuff, right? Like people are oblivious, right? Mm -hmm. The person doesn't realize they've done anything wrong <clears throat> or they're defensive yeah. where, you know, when you call them out, they're just like not having it. Um, and, you know, the reaction is sort of a return accusation or something like that. They're just, they're just not engaging with you um, as a blamer. They're not taking, uh, they're not taking you seriously. They're not taking the accusation seriously or they're just rejecting it. Hmm. Um, so those are some, some sort of basic ways in which blame may not land. But then there are also some more complex ways in which blame might not be effective where you might have a resignation reason to let go. So one might be sort of cross-cultural circumstances where you're just not sure, right? Like whether you and the other person share enough moral ground um, to, to sort of have the blame, Michael McKenna has this idea of the blame conversation. The, the blame conversation is not, you, you, you might think the blame conversation won't go forward effectively because you don't know how much shared moral ground there is. And mm -hmm. you might be wrong about that. You might, you might think uh, that you're not gonna make progress, but actually you could make progress. Um, so it's something you could be wrong about, but um, there also might be just circumstances where, uh, you know, here's here's an example. Maybe um, I think this often happens in conversations about vegetarianism or veganism, right? Where like you know, sometimes you have a conversation where people are like, "I understand where you're coming from. I disagree with you about this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm not going to be a vegetarian." That's a totally reasonable kind of uh, circumstance, and it's a circumstance where uh, your blame is going to land, and then you're going to get a, a justification. Um, as a reason why you shouldn't blame them, right? So someone who has a, has what they think is a good justification for eating meat, if I say you shouldn't eat meat and I think that was really shitty that you ordered that hamburger, they might then give me their justification and I should stop blaming them if I think it's a good justification. Mm -hmm. um, and even if, maybe even if I don't think it's a good justification, but I think that they're taking the issue seriously. Mm. But then there might be another circumstance, right? Where like, um, you say, I think it's wrong to eat animals. Um, we shouldn't be like ordering meat at this meal. And the person's like, you know, I just don't buy into the idea that animals deserve moral concern whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And so we're engaged in some sort of like, uh, you're, you're engaged in some sort of like fetishization of, of, of these animals when eating is natural. And, you know, so there's, you might think there's a, a line of argument here that could be made, but really it looks like we just are not sharing enough ground to have a productive yeah. uh, engagement of, uh, about, um, about this right now. And so you might think your blame's not gonna land. Um, so that's, that's a reason why you might, uh, you might resign yourself uh, and let go. Um, I mean, I'm a little bit unhappy with that example. I think I could have spelled that out better. Maybe here's here's another example. This is something that actually happened to me. Um, so I once went um, with my partner to uh, to the house of a, a friend of hers. Um, and 
while we were there, um, the, the mother of this family um, made this wonderful dinner and it was incredible. And as we sat down to eat, we realized that, you know, what was going to happen was that the, the father in the family would sit and eat with us, with the kids, um, and the mother would continue serving us mm, and she okay. would eat by herself later. And, you know, I thought to myself, that's, I don't, I don't like that. I think that's not a, a great sort of set of gender norms to have. Um, but I certainly also thought at the same time, like, well, many things, one, like I could be wrong, um, about that. Like I, maybe I'm, maybe, maybe my judgment is mistaken here, but I also thought this isn't a time for blame, right? Um, this is a situation where we have a context that's fragile in various ways where, um, you know, there are norms that are, you know, well-established in mm -hmm. these people's culture. Um, and uh, it would take quite a bit of, of hashing out to sort of make any of my blame useful. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so I, I, I let go. Um, so anyway, that's, that's a kind of account. So that's, that's one kind of, another kind of resignation reason. And then uh, a third sort of kind of resignation reason, a third kind of fragility uh, that a context might have is just where you think um, blame's not going to land. It's not going to be effective basically because you're not taken seriously, right? You're not taken seriously as a blamer. Um, and here, this might be because you're, um, you know, from a group that's sort of, you know, in an oppressed position in society and their claims to certain rights are, you know, while nominally acknowledged are not taken seriously in, in practice or are taken less seriously. So I think there's, there's some cool work by, by various uh, philosophers um, talking about how this might, uh, how this might happen. Um, and, you know, it could be any number of, of groups, but the, the case I'm thinking of is uh, a paper by Sue Campbell about being dismissed and having your anger dismissed. Um, uh, in particular, she's interested in have, how your anger might be dismissed as bitterness, mm. right? Which is based, like, when you read her paper and when you think about the, this phenomenon, you're like, oh, yeah, sometimes if you're, if you're called bitter, basically what you're having done is you're having your anger written off as like inappropriate um so you can imagine circumstances like that right where you think your blame is not going to land because um you're not taken seriously as mm -hmm. a as a as a claimant yeah and i i feel like um these there there can also be sort of blending cases um between between a lot of these so like one that sprung to mind during your original talk was you know for instance my uh, one set of grandparents are extremely religious, like extremely conservative Christians. Um, and, you know, when I was younger, because I was brought up in like a, an evangelical community too. And when I was younger, you know, I, I used to kind of like hash more of this kind of stuff out with them, right? Because, you know, like just young, you like give the energy for that, you know. Um, and you actually are naive enough to think that like your blame will connect. And now I've just, it's, it's almost like, and it's, it, I guess it's sort of a blending between maybe the, the, the second and the third type of, of, of resignation cases you laid out where it's like, I, I sort of, 
um, you know, if they if they do something that's just like just just obviously kind of just maladaptive or or even like immoral to me, um, mm-hmm. and and, I, and you know, it, even if it's just like a remark or something, right? And I kind of like I, I I bring this to to the fore, like I bring it to their attention, and I try to have that hashing out with them. It's just like I it's like I, this is why I'm curious if you view it too as like a blending between the the second and the third type. Is it's just like I. I don't feel like they're in a mental space to have that conversation. But I also feel like as someone who's non-religious now, it's almost like you're, you're not uh, in a position to be like taken seriously at that point. Like we're only concerned about the opinions of other Christians, you know, don't you understand? It's like that kind uh, of a yeah, thing. Yeah. 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 Certainly. I mean, I, I think, I think that can happen. Uh, I think that, you know, one thing that human beings are really good at is like in-group, out-group stuff. And, mm. you know, I can imagine exactly the circumstance you're saying where what you have is a sense that you're being dismissed, but maybe at the same time, um, at the same time, a sense that, uh, that, yeah, maybe, you're you've moved enough outside of the sort of cultural norms that you're not worried that, that you're worried that your blame won't land in that sense as well is that is that yeah. kind of what you were getting at yeah kind of it's a, like a combination of yeah there's of there's almost not enough overlap anymore you know it's like you, you kind of yeah, have to have yeah. a certain your venn diagrams have to overlap enough to, to kind of have the blame connect and i it just seems like there's there's kind of um there's a lot of situations in life where you're almost you know, like to use the Watsonian language, you're, you're almost in different moral communities at that point. Like the, the, mm-hmm. the potential for moral address is almost just not there anymore. And, and honestly, it's like, it's like kind of both ways. Like, I, I'm not sure I really take their moral opinion seriously anymore either, you know? Yeah, I think, I think that's, um, I think, yeah, that seems very uh, real. That seems like a, a, a definitely a real phenomenon. And, you know, like I said, uh, I think part of this, I, I think you're right to, to see these as sort of coming together sometimes um, and maybe even reinforcing one another, right? Like mm-hmm. um, the more you dismiss people, the more they're gonna view each other for the next, in the next interaction as sort of being in separate spheres. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's gonna make it easier to dismiss them in the future. Yeah. And you know, maybe, maybe you have something like a story of polarization mm-hmm. right yeah. there. Yeah. And it's tricky too, because, you know, a lot of this sounds rather negative, but I think that, you know, you paint a story and I largely agree with it. It's, it's not that straightforward. Like, you know, if, if, you know, I mean, antiquated conservative Christian values really aren't what we want to be shooting for anymore. Like it's not straightforwardly bad that I don't take those reasons seriously anymore. Um, and it, you could make the argumentation that it's not straightforwardly bad that I don't just kind of wade into the blame morass every time it comes up. Like you just, you know, you kind of have to like, what are you going to do about it? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, you know, at the most basic level, there's a sort of question of like where you want to spend your hmm. both emotional and, and sort of cognitive energy. And, you know, I think this probably isn't, helpful for polarization but at a certain point you have to sort of say i'm not going to engage with these people in this way um 
And you also have to think like, uh, not only am I not going to engage with them intellectually, I'm not going to like make, I'm not going to just like do my arguments for, um, you know, uh, secular morality or mm. vegetarianism or what have you. Um, but you also think I'm not going to do the blame part of this. I'm not going to do the moral, uh, I, I'm going to stop um, blaming them in the sense that I'm going to overcome this, this, uh, this anger that I have, or this contempt that I have, um, mm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let go of blame, um, in addition to sort of not engaging intellectually. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think that that's right. And I think that there are good reasons for doing it. Um, but I also think that, you know, one thing I want to emphasize, right, is that I think letting go is valuable, not just because, you know, not, not just for um, because because our relations can break down, but just because it's a way of dealing with a world that already exists in a particular way, right? And I think that that's an important thing to recognize when we're talking about how we deal with moral conflicts. You know, there's always been moral conflicts. There's always going to be moral conflicts, um, and there's always going to be reasons to let go and reasons to forgive. Um, and, you know, sometimes you'll have the one and sometimes you'll have the other. And I think, you know, in any sort of non-ideal world, you're going to have reason to, uh, to let go sometimes. And that's going to be both valuable and even, you know, good or virtuous to do. Um, it can, it can be not just sort of a second best. Um, it can be the best thing available and even the right thing to do. Yeah, I, was, I want to make sure that that's that's clear as well. Yeah, definitely. Because I mean, you know, just just kind of like introspecting on it, it honestly seems like letting go is often the the required thing to keep some relationships intact. You know, at least at least sometimes, like you you couldn't exist in a state of like always letting go. But but for certain scenarios, it seems like, I mean, at least for me, you know, in in my interpersonal relationships, it, it does seem like letting go plays a crucial role in just like, I mean, you, you just, you, you can't kind of just get to the bottom of everything, you know, I mean, on both sides of any relationship, you do just have to let go sometimes. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. And, you know, maybe this is an opportunity to, to mention one last kind of reason. I didn't really talk mm. about this in the talk, yeah. um, but it's something that Luke and I discuss in the paper. And that's that um, sometimes so here's, here's another, a third type of reason you might have to, to let go. Um, and that's a sort of what we call alignment reasons. Mm. And that might be something like you let go of blame, beca not because you've gotten an apology and the person has sort of said, um, you know, yeah, I, what I did was, was wrong. Sorry about that. Um, it's not that they've already come back into alignment, but it, it's that you suspect that they will in some sense in the mm. future right so like or or maybe you just have sufficient trust in them as a you know as a thoughtful and and caring person that even if you don't think they'll necessarily come to the right attitude on this kind of behavior that you know you they're they're a person you want to be friends with or they're mm. a person you want to be in a relationship with um so I think that's a kind of reason to let go too. And that's not about resignation and it's not about overriding this exactly. It's more about like 
you have some faith in the person, you have some trust, uh, you have some sort of shared understanding that allows you to think of yourself as sort of broadly in alignment mm. and maybe as, as, you know, likely to come back into alignment in the future, mm. even without an apology or even potentially without their recognizing that what they did in this particular case was wrong. Yeah, I was smiling because you made me think of, um, it, you know, just like, you know, one of my closest friends, you know, when, when sometimes we just have, you know, just like, there's a little like, you know, hitch in the conversation or like, you know, we're in a group setting and, you know, we're like, we're young guys, we kind of rag on each other and stuff, you know, sometimes it goes too far, sometimes it doesn't. And it's just, it's funny because like, I'm just thinking of, you know, the closest friends I have is there's always that recognition of like, when it goes too far, you almost like a lot, a lot of the time we don't even apologize. Cause it's like, of course there's like, there's no need for it. Like, you know, they, they know it's like, and when you do apologize, like, oh yeah. Like it's like, I, I wasn't even thinking about it anymore. It's almost like you're, you're kind of broadcasting someone's potential or expected forgiveness into the future. And then allowing that to, to kind of percolate back and, and realize to just, just let it go. You know, they would forgive if I were to ask. Yeah. And I mean, I think this is, I, so I think that's a really good description. And I think this is actually why it's one of the reasons why I'm a little bit tentative about fleshing out this third kind of reason. So these alignment reasons, because it really does shade into forgiveness in an mm -hmm. interesting way, right? Because you can also imagine a case, right? Just to use your example, right? You're 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 ribbing your friends and like maybe it goes too far but you can see immediately like from their expression a that you've gone too far <laughs> and b that they're letting it go or that they've you know that they've forgiven you right and part of that is just like you know as humans <laughs> we're really good at like reading each other's facial expressions right where like you can see in a second that you've gone too far, he can see in a second that you see that <laughs> and, and then you're good. Yep. And I think, I think there's a case for calling some of those circumstances forgiving actually, right? It's, it's sort of instantaneous forgiveness because it's instantaneous recognition of remorse. Mm -hmm. um, but I think there are also cases where what you have is, is letting go because you don't see instantaneous remorse maybe, but, you you have a sort of trust that there's enough you know the person well enough you know their character you know what you can expect from them you know what they care about and you know what's important to them morally things like that that mm. you can count on them sort of like understanding later like uh and you know maybe they never come back and say sorry about last night or whatever <laughs> but they don't have, they don't have to. Um, yeah. so it's, it's, it's something that on the one hand, I'm a little bit hesitant about, right? Because there is a, there's this sort of fuzzy boundary between the two phenomena. Um, but at the same time, I do think that that's a, a reason to let go. And the, the kinds of scenarios we've been describing strike me as, as real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's definitely kind of the softest version of letting go. I would say, um, but, but I, I like, I like the case though. I do like that description of it. Um, yeah. it's interesting. Um, so I, I was curious about one, cause I know we're kind of coming up on, on the end of the time here, but I was curious about one remark that you made, um, specifically in the presentation. Um, you said, so, you know, this is kind of at the end of the talk 
And you say, therefore, we need an ethics of letting go. And I was curious what you meant by an ethics of letting go. Yeah, good. That's a great question. Um, so basically what I have in mind is uh, something parallel to what, you know, in the literature we call an ethics of blame or an ethics of forgiveness, right? Mm -hmm. So if you think of like these topics as philosophical topics, um, part of what people are interested in is what you might call the nature of the phenomenon, right? So like the nature of blame, the nature of forgiveness, the nature of letting go. And part of what we're doing in the paper is giving the nature of letting go and contrasting that with the nature of forgiveness. Just, you know, knowing what it is, what the phenomenon is. Um, but once you know what it is, if it's a moral phenomenon, if it's part of our moral lives, then we need an ethics of it in the same way that we need an ethics of lying and an ethics of promising and an ethics of, um, uh, you know, distributive justice, right? Uh, uh, an ethics of charity. Um, in the same way, we need an ethics of forgiveness and an ethics of letting go um, because these are phenomena, these are practices that we do and they affect the well-being of other people. You know, they affect whether people can live good lives and flourish. Um, and so when I say we need an ethics of letting go, what I mean is we need to think about when we should and shouldn't do it, basically. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I think that's important in a way for sort of obvious reasons. Um, if one of the things that I can do by letting go is make my own life go better or worse and make your life go better or worse, um, then I need to think about about when I should should let go. And I think it's you know, we can we can see this especially clearly if we think about circumstances where we think it's important to keep blaming. Mm. Right. Uh, where we think it's really uh, essential, whether socially or just interpersonally, that this person see or this group of people see that blame is is the response to this kind of behavior and that continued blame is the response to this kind of behavior. So, um, you know, whatever we think those circumstances are, we need to we need to have an ethics of, of blame to sort of identify those and an ethics of letting go for knowing when that's an appropriate kind of response. Yeah, because I was I was thinking about, you know, it seems like we always it's always available to us to let go. That's always that's kind of a, a live option for us. And I was thinking about the the times where it might be an imperative not to let go, to continue blaming. Um, and and I think it's kind of easy to to imagine a lot of those scenarios interpersonally. Um, but I was curious, I mean, do, do you have any kind of examples on hand of, of whether it's interpersonal or more societal where, where you think we ought not let go? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a lot harder in the interpersonal case because even the worst kinds of offenses, it, you might have good reason to let go. And it might be that your reasons to let go actually are amplified by the 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 badness of the offense right mm -hmm. the strength of your reason to blame might be um uh the the fact that you, the reason why you have a, a, a good reason to blame a lot might also be a good reason and a, a stronger reason to to let go um so i think the interpersonal cases are a little bit harder right like i can imagine someone who you know they're treated badly, um, right, uh, with, with prejudice or hatred. And 
you know, that fact is a strong reason for them to blame. But at the same time, it's it makes the reason to let go stronger too, because that sucks. And if you have no recourse, if you're not, if you're going to be dismissed, um, if your blame is going to be dismissed, it might be just as strong a reason to to let go. I think the social cases are better. It, it's a lot easier to come up with a case that's sort of unambiguously one where you should uh, you have you have an obligation or an imperative not to not to let go. And there, I think you know any any case where the kind of injustice that you're seeing is one that you know is sort of uh, persisting, frequent, um, un, uh, unaddressed, or sort of um, impervious to, to, uh, to the different ways in which it might, it might get resolved in society. So, um, basically this is just any any circumstance where you think like this is something we have to take a stand on um so that might be you know police violence it might be um it might be uh you know holocaust denialism or something like that right like you you can't you you can't let certain things stand unopposed you can't let people not account for themselves Mm. on certain issues um I, I think that's a, a plausible thing to say. Um, yeah. So I don't know. That's, that's the kind of yeah. thing that comes to mind. I was, I was, you know, those kind of cases, you know, came to mind too, but I was, I was, it, it strikes me that if you do take this kind of attitudinal view of blame, you, you might be able to let go um, while continuing to perform the actions that, would be kind of required, you know, so for instance, if it's, you know, Holocaust denialism, like I I could, I could really let go of my blame towards those individuals, you know, they're, they're, they're just misled by information, you know, they're not thinking straight, you know, sure, there's some, you know, just, just imbalance going on there of some sort informationally or otherwise. Um, But that doesn't necessarily mean that I would have to kind of stop fighting the misinformation or, or donate to counter or, you know, counter organizations or reform organizations or, you know, whatever it is. Um, I was curious what you thought about that. Yeah, good. That's, that's a good question. I mean, I think there's, to a certain degree, what I said about interpersonal cases is going to apply, it it can apply in any case, right? It, it's, Mm -hmm. it's always possible that letting go is, is the more appropriate strategy. Um, I think it's just more likely that it's social cases where um, mm. the blame, you know, holding to your sticking to your blame guns is is going to usually be more appropriate. Um, but yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, there are certainly circumstances where, as an individual opposed to some practice or some uh, you know feature of society that you see, um, uh, that yeah, it's best to let go of blame. I certainly, I mean, I certainly feel this a lot about political issues, right? Where, but what what I mean by that is things that politicians do, Mm. (laughs) Um, the actions of politicians. I think simultaneously, the most likely I am to blame in any given day is to blame a politician for something I read about 
them doing or not doing, mm-hmm. um, saying or not saying. Um, and at the same time, those are the cases where for me, I'm most likely to let go because I don't have a, a voice that reaches them. Um, and where, you know, the, the cost to me, like being angry on Facebook all day <laughs> is, is too high. So I, so I let go. So that's certainly the case. Um, but yeah, I, I still do think that, um, it's likely to be social issues, social causes, um, sort of socio-political problems where letting go is less, letting, letting go is more likely to be wrong. Maybe mm-hmm. that's the way to put it. Yeah. But that, that makes none sense. of them are all, none of them are all or nothing. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense to me. I was curious also because there was a, there was a question asked about this in, in your original talk and it made me think, um, about, and I think you alluded to it a little bit previously, but you know, there, there's a question of whether letting go is an active or a passive process. And it, it seems to me like just, you know, phenomenologically, um, I very much can choose to let go. Like I should, like, I just, you know, evaluate the situation. Look, like I should just let this go. And the process of letting go can actually be challenged by this, like re-upping almost of kind of the, like, remembering the thing that made me upset or or just kind of thinking about it more or even having the impulse to like you know kind of you know complain about it to someone else uh and and it's interesting that uh it's weird I I have the experience both ways like sometimes it's actually a a very hard process to let go um and I and I almost have to actively like no just kind of shut that that impulse down to just keep re-upping the blame and and then other times I just, I, I can't even blame, like, I can't even get that intuition up and running. Um, do you, I, I think you share those, both of those cases? Definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah, I think certainly it can be the case that, that letting go of blame is hard in the same way that it can be difficult to, uh, to forgive. Right. Um, sometimes the blame, you know, it sticks in your mind, you ruminate on it. I think cases of self-blame or guilt are, are really good examples of this, right? Like you do some shitty thing and, <laughs> you know, it pops into your mind, you know, every day or once a week or something like that. And you find yourself thinking about it. Um, but yeah, at the same time, there are also cases where you might say like, you're not even sure you did blame. You're, you, you can't be certain whether you just didn't blame or whether you let go of blame quickly or forgave quickly for that matter. Mm. Um, because, you know, it, you just aren't sure what your full reaction was um, because you slipped so quickly from one to the next step. Um, yeah, that seems totally, totally natural as well. Mm. Um, and I think there are probably lots of circumstances where if you were to say, you know, what did you do in that circumstance? Did you forgive, you know, your friend? Did you let go? Did you, did you blame at all? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd say, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I, the, the circumstances where I'm not even sure that blame ever kind of like gets in, in the air, gets off the runway are often with, random people just with interactions you know like it's it's weird that you know sometimes 
I mean, I'm not a person who really kind of gets like, you know, road rage or anything. It doesn't really register to me, but it's weird that like, I mean, every once in a while I do, you know, it's like, and it's weird um, because it's like, I just, I don't, I don't know if this is just like lack of self-knowledge or what that, you know, I just, sometimes it just, you don't even blame doesn't even get registered or, or someone just kind of, you know, wrongs me in, I don't know, some, some like the workplace. It's not really a personal issue or, you know, it's just, Sometimes yeah. the blame arises and sometimes it just, it never even gets off the ground. I don't know, it's very odd. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's right. You know, I think this is why it's important for people who try to give an account of what blame is to sort of explain what the holding against part is, right? Like hmm. when you blame, you assess someone negatively, right? You, um, you view them as having, you know, failed in some way, but you also hold it against them. That's part of what blaming is. Mm. Um, and yeah, sometimes you just don't hold it against them. You register it, you register it as a wrong, but you don't hold it against them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah sometimes traffic is like that. Sometimes it's <laughs> not. Um, uh, sometimes, yeah, workplaces are another good example. Yeah. I think, I think this is, this is an everyday sort of, uh, Sort of phenomenon i think the you know maybe the the way to think about this last point is to think like um how would you re-describe it if you were thinking back on it do you endorse the blame you had hmm. or do you not endorse it anymore um right what are the if, if you think um Right. So, so that would be, that would be a way to tell whether you blamed or not um, is to just say like, well, do I blame people for things like that? Then, then probably I did. Um, but you can never be sure. And, and likewise, you know, to know whether you've let go, you might, you might say, well, you know, what kind of reason did I have, even if it didn't come to mind, even if it was just motivating me without sort of me taking it consciously into, into mind. Um, and if I think, you know, probably what I was doing was moving on in the sense of like distracting myself so that I wouldn't get bent out of shape in a way that, you know, would be unpleasant. Then you think, yeah, I, you know, it seems like what I did was let go. Like I had, I had an overriding reason and I sort of acted on that without thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This is, I, it's a super fascinating and I mean, I, I'm not in the field yet, hopefully, but it, it seems a little um, not underdeveloped, but it's, it's ripe for, for development. Um, is this turning yeah. into a, a paper of any kind? Yeah, yeah, this is a paper. It's actually, it's under submission right now, um, but it's something that, that Luke and I are still, still thinking about, still working on. Um, yeah, I think, I think, you know, I, I hope that it's a phenomenon that people both think is real and familiar and important and then one that they think you know we've given a good characterization of that's that's sort of the first step and i think you know just to your to your point there is a lot of work to be done here um sort of just sort of getting clear on on the phenomena right because part of what's interesting about our moral lives is all of these sort of different practices and different phenomena that are part of our everyday lives that we don't sort of pick out necessarily and that get sort of um, elided in conversations about other sort of uh, mm. topics that have a sort of 
stronger center of gravity, right? Like a, a greater mass um, in the in the intellectual space. And I think forgiveness is one of those is one of those uh, phenomena that sort of it draws other things in, and you you fail to sort of see differences. Um, but yeah, I think there's tons of cool work. I just read a, a paper last week about unforgiving, right? So with withdrawing or mm. taking back your forgiveness, which you know, as soon as as soon as I thought about it, I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's a that's definitely a thing for sure. Why is this the first paper I've ever read about it? Or you know, not not literally the first, but you know, one of very few papers I've ever read on the topic. Hmm. Um, so so yeah, Monique Wonderly has this has this great paper, and my reaction reading it was like, yes, <laughs> this this is a paper that needed to be written. Yeah. Um, uh, and I think there's plenty more out there. Hopefully this one is one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I look forward to, uh, it's, it's hopeful, uh, publishing, um, before I let you go, where can people yeah. find out more about your work on this specifically, but just you generally? Uh, yeah, well, I've got a website, um, hereericmilam.com, all one word. Uh, I can send you that so you can put it in show notes if you want. Um, other than that, fill papers, fill people. That's sort of, I think, the best resource for finding philosophers. Yep. I'll leave the links to all of those in the description for people. Um, cool. Uh, Paris, stay on the line, but thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Okay. Well, I hope you enjoyed that discussion. Um, it was a really fun talk, and, uh, and I really appreciate Paris joining me for that. Uh, so just in closing the show, like I said, I'll leave uh, links to the descriptions of, uh, of, you know, the links that Pear mentioned in the description below. And of course, uh, if you want to support this show, you can do so by visiting the links below on Patreon. You can also share this show, rate it on Apple Podcasts or on any player that you listen to. You can like or subscribe to this video on YouTube. Uh, you can discuss it on your own show or you can contact me. Um, with either recommended guests or topics to cover at Plato's Cave Podcast at gmail.com and also on Twitter at Jordan underscore C underscore Myers. And as always, thank you for listening and keep struggling to escape the cave.